Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is July 19th. Since the dawn of time, we have searched for ways to make life easier for us. The modern age has given us some amazing technological advances. What would we do without the internet, our iPhones, or high-speed travel? For many people, surviving life without these things sounds rough. However, if you have diabetes, no doubt you're also a big fan of one particular 20th century discovery, insulin. Before insulin was discovered in 1921, people with diabetes didn't live for long. There wasn't much doctors could do for them. The most effective treatment was to put patients with diabetes on very strict diets with minimal carbohydrate intake. This could buy patients a few extra years but couldn't save them. Harsh diets, some prescribed as little as 450 calories a day, sometimes even caused patients to die of starvation. So how did this wonderful breakthrough blossom? Let's travel back a little more than 100 years ago. In 1889, two German researchers, Oskar Minikowski and Joseph von Mehring, found that when the pancreas gland was removed from dogs, the animals developed symptoms of diabetes and died soon afterward. This led to the idea that the pancreas was the site where the pancreatic substances, insulin, were produced. Later experimenters narrowed this search to islets of Langerhans, a fancy name for clusters of specialized cells in the pancreas. In 1910, Sir Edward Albert Sharpie Schaefer suggested only one chemical was missing from the pancreas in people with diabetes. He decided to call this chemical insulin, which comes from the Latin word insula, meaning island. So what happened next? Something truly miraculous. In 1921, a young surgeon named Frederick Banting and his assistant Charles Best figured out how to remove insulin from a dog's pancreas. Skeptical colleagues said this stuff looked like thick brown muck, but they didn't, little did they know that this would lead to life and hope for millions of people with diabetes. With this murky concoction, Banting and Best kept another dog with severe diabetes alive for 70 days. The dog died only when there was no more extract. With this success, the researchers, along with the help of colleagues J.B. Collip and John McLeod, went a step further. A more refined and pure form of insulin was developed, this time from a pancreas of cattle. In January 1922, Leonard Thompson, a 14-year-old boy dying from diabetes in a Toronto hospital, became the first person to receive an injection of insulin. Within 24 hours, Leonard's dangerously high blood glucose levels dropped to near-normal levels. The news about insulin spread around the world like wildfire, and in 1923, Banting and McLeod received the Nobel Prize in Medicine, which they shared with Best and Collip. Thank you, diabetes researchers. Soon after, the medical firm Eli Lilly started large-scale production of insulin. It wasn't long before there was enough insulin to supply the entire North American continent. In the decades to follow, manufacturers developed a variety of slower-acting insulins, the first introduced by Novo Nordisk Pharmaceuticals in 1936. Insulin from cattle and pigs was used for many years to treat diabetes and save millions of lives, but it wasn't perfect, as it caused allergic reactions to many patients. The first genetically engineered synthetic human insulin was produced in 1978 using E. coli bacteria to produce the insulin. Eli Lilly went on in 1982 to sell the first commercially available biosynthetic human insulin under the brand name Humulin. 
Insulin now comes in many forms, from regular human insulin, identical to what the body produces on its own, to ultra-rapid and ultra-long-acting insulins. Thanks to decades of research, people with diabetes can choose from a variety of formulas and ways to take their insulin based on their personal needs and lifestyles. From Humalog to Novolog and insulin pens to pumps, insulin has come a long way and may not be a cure for diabetes, but it's literally a lifesaver. So what's next for insulin? Scientists aren't sure, though they're working hard on it. But one thing is certain, insulin is a medical marvel in a world of diabetes. And although there is some debate about the next exact date, on which was likely July 19th of 1799 during Napoleon Bonaparte's Egyptian campaign, a French soldier discovered a black basalt slab inscribed with ancient writing near the town of Rosetta, about 35 miles east of Alexandria. The irregularly shaped stone contained fragments of passages written in three different scripts, Greek, Egyptian hieroglyphics, and Egyptian demotic. The ancient Greek on the Rosetta Stone told archaeologists that it was inscribed by priests honoring the king of Egypt, Ptolemy V, in the 2nd century BC. More startlingly, the Greek passage announced that the three scripts were of all of identical meaning. The artifact thus held the key to solving the riddle of hieroglyphics, a written language that had been dead for nearly 2,000 years. When Napoleon, an emperor known for his enlightened view of education, art, and culture, invaded Egypt in 1798, he took along a group of scholars and told them to seize all important cultural artifacts for France. Pierre Bouchard, one of Napoleon's soldiers, was aware of this order when he found the basalt stone, which was almost four feet long and two and a half feet wide, at a fort near Rosetta. When the British defeated Napoleon in 1801, they took possession of the Rosetta Stone. Several scholars, including Englishman Thomas Young, made progress with the initial hieroglyphics analysis of the Rosetta Stone. French Egyptologist Juan-Francois Cosme-Champion, who had taught himself ancient languages, ultimately cracked the code and deciphered the hieroglyphics using his knowledge of Greek as a guide. Hieroglyphics used pictures to represent objects, sounds, and groups of sounds. Once Rosetta Stone inscriptions were translated, the language and culture of ancient Egypt was suddenly open to scientists as never before. Today, the Rosetta Stone is housed in the British Museum in London, despite repeated calls for its return to Egypt. And finally, in the Seneca Falls Convention is regarded as many by many as the birthplace of American feminism. Heralded as the women's first women's rights convention in the United States, it was held at the Wesleyan Chapel in Seneca Falls, New York, on July 19th and 20th of 1848. At that conference, activist and leader Elizabeth Cady Stanton drafted the Declaration of Sentiments, which called for women's equality and suffrage. Modeled after the Declaration of Independence and named after the founding document of the American Anti-Slavery Society, the document began, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal. Stanton referenced Jefferson's principles, but explained that they are conditioned solely for men. She further described the unequal and separate spheres women are forced into and called for action among the resolutions were the rights to property and education. On July 20th, the declaration was ratified by the Assembly. There was a fright regarding only one resolution, the right to vote. Not all agreed that the vote, vote to the vote was imperative, and some, including Stanton's husband, disagreed with the notion entirely. However, Stanton, along with abolitionist Frederick Douglass, argued the necessity of the vote and adopted the resolution. 
signed by 68 women and 32 men, including Douglas, the Declaration and the Seneca Falls Convention remained landmarks in the history of women's rights. Stanton's father was a New York State Supreme Court Justice, Daniel Katie, and she was familiar with legal concepts. She was also inspired by Lucretta Mott, who she had let, met almost eight years earlier in London at the World Anti-Slavery Convention. There, the two were brought to the women's only section and were not allowed to sit or speak at the event. This event and the outrage it inspired led to the Seneca Falls Convention in 1848. Though some scholars debate the historical significance of the convention, Seneca Falls remains a potent symbol of equality. The now accepted narrative of Seneca Falls at the beginning of the women's movement of the United States began after the Civil War as a form of leverage against the abolitionist movement. Historian Lisa Tetral explains in her book, The Myth of Seneca Falls, that at the time of the ratification of the 14th and 15th Amendments, suffragettes such as Stanton and Susan B. Anthony were angered by the idea of the vote going to black men before it went to women. Thus, there was a need to remember how the women's movement began, and Stanton and Anthony commissioned the History of Women's Suffrage, a three-volume participant history of the movement. Beginning in 1873, women began holding anniversary events for the Seneca Falls Convention. With each anniversary, the story became more elaborate and complex, creating a false narrative that was the event was more than it seemed. Though the entire convention excluded poor women and black women, among other minorities, it was groundbreaking that women could hold this event at all. Over 70 years after the convention in Seneca Falls, the nation ratified the 19th Amendment, which granted women the right to vote in 1920. This victory led to the work of prominent feminist leaders in the 1950s and 60s, ushering in a new age and a new hope for women's rights. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Insulin introduced at Diabetes.org The Rosetta Stone found at History.com And the Seneca Falls Convention begins at ConstitutionCenter.org The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.